What does it mean to run the damn ball? Man, I never really thought about that question. I'd say to run the damn ball is to just give it, give it your all. You know what I mean? The way, the way you just flows when you say run the damn ball is just like put everything aside, clear your mind, that mental block, and just go for it. Welcome back to another episode of Run the Damn Ball. This is your host, Daniel Magnuson. Right over there, that's Sam, uh, Sam Alessandro. Joining me today, we're going to talk about college football, especially the Pac-12 Conference. We'll do a little conference preview. Then, of course, we'll talk some Husker football because, you know, we're in Nebraska. We're Nebraska fans. Um, even though I'm wearing a Wyoming shirt, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that later, why I'm wearing that. But um, anyway, Sam, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Um, so I guess the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Pac-12 football um, right now is that, yes, it's a Power 5 conference, but is it the weakest of the Power 5 conferences? You could certainly make that argument um, because you look at the last few years, a lot of the – I feel like not many people are watching the Pac-12 because obviously they – they play at like different times, so you have a lot of Pac-12 after dark games. Uh, but also, I mean, you gotta look at you know the programs that are good in the conference and the programs that are not good in the conference. I think the Pac-12 is better when USC is is like you know elite, and they just haven't been elite. And so, like the Pac-12, they just don't have that premier program in their conference, like. At least in in the Big Twelve, you know you have Oklahoma. I know they're leaving, but they have them. ACC, they had Clemson. Um, Big Ten, they got Ohio State now. Michigan. Then obviously the SEC is the SEC. They're loaded. Um, they're, they're top heavy. Yeah. The Pac twelve, they've really just had like they had Oregon a few times, but they were never a real threat. I feel like, um, and Utah's. Always right there. They're one of the most consistent programs, and we'll talk about them. I know a whole lot here in a little bit, but no one really. Everyone always underestimates Utah, and so I feel like the Pac-12. The more relevant they are, it's because you know programs like USC and UCLA are, you know, doing well. Yeah, I'd agree, and I think a big reason why USC and UCLA have been down in the past five, six years is because a lot of the best players in L.A. are not going to play at those two schools. They're going to the SEC. They're going to Oklahoma. They're going to the Big Ten. Well, yeah, Yeah. that's the thing that's going to be really interesting because Lincoln Riley really, with his Oklahoma program the last few years, he really took a lot of players from L.A. And that's why you saw a lot of them come back, you know, after – Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for USC, and so it's going to be really interesting uh, for me to just see how that changes. And you know, because a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the premier quarterbacks they left California, and you know, USC, 
you can't let that happen. Honestly. You can like, literally list the, them off, like Bryce Young. Bryce, Bryce Young is the biggest one. JT uh, Daniels. Was, yep, JT. Um, well, you JT could even, was at USC, though, but he that transferred. That is true. You could even count uh, both the Tungavaloa, Tungavaloa brothers, because, I mean, they're from Hawaii, which is like... But that's like a pipeline state for you for, for schools yeah. like USC or Oregon. But, like, yeah. nowadays, like, with recruiting, everyone... It's not, you know, just like a regional, you know, you can't uh, recruit regional. you got to recruit nationally. And, I mean, you know, we're seeing that right here in Nebraska. They've had to recruit more nationally than, I guess, you know, regionally per se. Okay, I literally was thinking about that today because I had a conversation this week with someone and we were talking about how, we're talking about different, you know, people in sports media and one of them being Colin Cowherd and I said I didn't really like him because I feel like he knows – uh, a, like, he knows a little about a lot of things. Yeah. And one time he made a claim that, like, Nebraska will never be good again because they're not in the Big 12 and they can't recruit Texas as well as they used to. And which is, like, I a fair point. I think that's a fair point. I think Nebraska does need to attack Texas uh, better mm-hmm. than they have recently because, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Pelini did well at the beginning of his tenure was yeah. he attacked Texas really hard. But, like, that's not, like, the reason why Nebraska's struggling. No, there's it's a not. Lot, there's a lot of other reasons. It's short-sighted because I would say, I mean, you can't do this for every recruit. But because Nebraska, I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska is the central location of America. So you can get anyone from anywhere if you really, really need to. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, we have a quarterback recruit from Massachusetts coming in next year. Yep. And then we know we're probably going to get a couple guys from the West Coast. I mean, that's just how Nebraska is, so. Yeah, and I mean, Frost, he, he hasn't gone as heavy on it recently, but, like, he showed, like, they've been able to recruit the East Coast, too. Like, mm-hmm. especially Georgia. Georgia's kind of become almost like a pipeline state, thanks to uh, the tight ends coach, Sean Becton. He really uh, recruits that area well. Um, I feel like we have multiple guys from both Jacksonville and Orlando. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Orlando, that's where UCF is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously, that staff... They know that area pretty well, but yeah, you know, Colin Coward. I I think he's he's definitely a uh, like he's definitely a California guy because I I watch him quite a bit uh, just because like it's interesting. I think just to hear other people's uh, perspective. Um, his college football takes are not always the greatest, and he <laughs> only talks about like four different schools. He's a huge USC fan, so he's been talking about them a whole lot. So. Yeah, he's he's an Eastern Washington alum. I think he grew up yeah. in Eastern Washington somewhere. Yeah. And so, yeah, he definitely is more of a Pacific guy. Oh, yeah. He'll have Joel Klatt come on. The, oh, and Joel and Klatt Joel, just roasts him. Joel Klatt's, like, holding back because, like, Colin doesn't really know a whole lot. Well, I mean, he does. He does, like, but he, he's, like, he's like base-level stuff. One of the funniest uh, moments I've seen from uh Colin Coward was when he like tried talking to like Urban Meyer was on the show and this was before you know he was at Jacksonville so he was still working at Fox and um they were talking about Joe Burrow and he was like why didn't you recruit him to to Urban Meyer and he's like we did he was on our team for like three years I'm like man you could just do a little bit of research and know that that little (laughs) fact but uh yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The whole, like, 
recruiting nationally thing it's just changed so much and especially with the transfer portal now like it's really shown that recruiting is just a nonstop grind and so you know i think in order for the pac-12 to be you know not considered the weakest of the power five conferences they need to be they they better hope that usc works out mm-hmm. uh with uh lincoln riley um and i think it will i would compare usc to like the Pac-12 version of Texas, because Texas has been down ever since Colt McCoy left. And I would say TCU and Baylor, and maybe you could throw like Oklahoma State or another school in there, have really picked up the slack in the Big 12. Yeah. And done really well in Definitely certain years. Definitely Oklahoma State. Yeah. For sure. And Baylor especially too. Baylor always overachieves. The, I would say, Baylor's always interesting to me, because they were like god-awful for a long time. And then Art Bryles like figured out what to do. Yes, he was shady, but he figured out how to win there. But he, uh, he coach, but yeah, <laughs> shady to be. That's putting it nicely. Yeah, um, but what I was gonna say. Okay, I, while you were talking, I was thinking about. Okay, so next summer in I believe July, the next NCAA football game is coming out. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, like it's planned. Yep. Okay, thank God, I cannot wait. But can you imagine like how funny the transfer portal is gonna be in that game? Oh, like, it'd be ridiculous. Because they, like, list off reasons for why people are transferring. Like, <laughs> you know, it'd be funny. Like, I don't know. I'm looking forward it'd to that. It, yeah, it'd make it more interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get back to the Pac-12, though. So, <laughs> I did some research when I was, you know, um, looking at the Pac-12 teams and their records from last year. But they actually had a losing record as a conference against the Mountain West last year. Yeah, when you put that in the script, I was I was pretty surprised. I did not know that. Yeah, like, okay, first of all, wearing my Wyoming shirt. Um, I am not a Wyoming fan, but I root for Wyoming outside of Nebraska. That's one of the teams I like watching. Um, I just think they're cool. They're the Cowboys. They're this tiny state, but they you know they play football in the FBS, and so gotta That's love sweet them. Uniforms. I really think they're classic. They they were kind of weird for a few years. I thought um, with Nike, but now. With the stripes and everything, I think they look really good. Yeah. Um. So, go Wyoming. I ran on their field on spring break. I went there with some friends. I ran on their field. That was a good time. Um, Bob Devaney coached there. And Bob Devaney coached there before he came to Nebraska. So, yeah. honestly, without Wyoming, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, got to love Wyoming. Um, I wish Nebraska could play them again. That'd be, that'd be cool. But, yeah, so I don't think Wyoming played a Pac-12 school last year. Maybe they did. But, anyway, Pac-12 had a 5-6 and six record against the Mountain West Conference. Um. And that just kind of shows that the Pac-12 is down right now. I mean, could you yeah. imagine if the Big Ten had a losing record to the MAC? Yeah, I mean that that'd be pretty bad. I think that Mountain <laughs> West is better than the MAC. I would say. Oh yeah. Yeah. MAC is just it's just fun. Like it. You, Tuesday you, night football yeah, you see, in November. Yeah, you you see the hashtag MACtion, and it's just it's just fun because you all, you almost always see something that you like you've never seen before in a college football game. In a Mac football game. You remember when they did the, uh, it was like Kent State, I think, did like a fake punt yeah. to the offensive lineman and then he hurdled someone? Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, that was that probably was like a fun. decade ago, but that was awesome. Um, so yeah, shout out the Mountain West uh, and Wyoming for being better than Pac-12 at football, but we still got to talk Pac-12, yeah. their power five. So, I mean, it today we had sunny rain here in Lincoln, so I think we need to start with the Washington Huskies. Yep. Being that they're from Seattle. That's a good segue. So they fired Jimmy Lake last season and they went four and eight. Mm-hmm. And they also lost to Montana, which is that's funny. Uh, 
<laughs> and then uh, they also lost pretty badly to Washington State in their yeah. finale. And this is what I think is even funnier. Washington State students who went to the game in Seattle stormed the field. Yeah. Like, imagine getting your own home field stormed oh. by your rival, dude. If I were red on our field, I'd probably, like, kill someone. You know what's crazy <laughs> no, no, is... Sorry, I don't actually mean that, but... <laughs> you know what's crazy is uh, Washington is the last Pac-12 school to have made uh, the playoff. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of crazy how quickly they've fallen apart after Chris Peterson left. Now, I think Chris Peterson was one of like the most underrated coaches in college football. You saw what he did at Boise State, and obviously what he did at Washington was really impressive as well. Um, Jimmy Lake was the defensive coordinator and then got hired as the head coach at Washington, and things just didn't really work out for him. He was supposed to be the next you know, up-and-coming you know, coach in college football, and Things just didn't work out, and things really got bad last year. I don't know if you remember this, when uh, he got in t- into a player's face and, you know, shoved him, and it, it was just – it was not a good scene for for Lake, and so there were rumors for weeks that, you know, he was going to get let go. Um, I believe he got suspended, and, yeah, I mean, the nail in the coffin for him was the uh, Washington State loss. That was bad. That it could not have gotten more embarrassing than that. Um, that was the biggest like point differential they've ever had against Washington State, which wasn't even that much. It was only like twenty something points. No, and but Was- still, Washington's a school that has had like actually a pretty decent history in football. Like in the nineties, they had quite a few good games with uh, Nebraska, they did. and um, you know th- they've actually. I looked at their like recruiting classes. They recruit well, and it makes sense. It's a nice campus. You know, it's a it's a it's a great place. Uh, I would love to visit there one day. I would say the Seattle Metro probably is underrated for high school football too. Yeah. Like they got a lot of people up there. So Yeah. And we and we know someone from Seattle. Yeah. Shout out Peyton. Peyton Thomas. We should have had him come on this actually. Yeah, we should have. But he's not he's like never in Lincoln this summer. Yeah. He's coming, um you told me he's coming in like next a, week. Okay, we got told me. Peyton, if you're ever gonna listen to this, we're, we wanna hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, Washington. They hired that new coach, like you said, Kalen DeBoer, um, which it was an okay hire, I think. It was pretty average. I know, like, I don't know. I, I love, like, the coaching carousel. I love the drama Interesting, and all yeah. that. And so I would look at all the schools and who they wanted uh, their school to hire or all the fans who they wanted uh, their team to hire. And I saw a lot of Washington fans really wanted Matt Campbell from Iowa State, which I think would have been really interesting. I have some thoughts on Matt Campbell, and we can talk about that when we preview the Big 12 at some point. But uh, I don't think this was a bad hire. It it felt like a pretty safe hire. And, I mean, Fresno State was pretty solid last year. Uh, They had that pretty good quarterback, Jake Hayner. um, He's still there, yeah. And he's still there. There was rumors, because he entered the portal, that he was going to go to Washington which would have been funny because he started out at Washington then transferred to Fresno State. would have been funny if he had gone back. But it happens. Yeah. they uh, Washington's a school, I, I feel like they really should be good, honestly. Like, they, they don't have a whole lot of excuses. Um, and I don't know. I, I always liked Washington. They're one of the schools in the Pac-12. Even 
when Nebraska was playing them in the early uh, 2010s with Jake Locker. Um, I still I, I respected them. Yeah, we, we did body them twice, but then they played us in the Holiday Bowl, and we were, like, injured slash didn't want to be there. Yeah. And it was just a really bad game for us, but whatever. Um, Washington, I agree with you. At their best, they should be competing at the top of the Pac-12 North, which, I mean, another thing we got to talk about, the Pac-12, I believe, is dropping. Uh, so if you win your division, doesn't automatically mean you go to the Pac-12 championship anymore. They're doing the top two teams in the conference will play in the Pac-12 championship. That's interesting. That, so that they're going to start that this year. I think Mountain West is as well. Um, when we talk about the Big Ten, we can talk about how that would change things if the Big Ten follows, which I think they will eventually. Um, but, yeah. I was going to say, so I, I completely forgot about this, but, you, you know, one of the quarterbacks at Washington now is uh, Indiana transfer Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. Who's solid, but he always gets injured. That's the one issue with him. I think that would be interesting. They also have a pretty highly regarded recruit, Sam Heward, who's obviously uh, he's related to Brock Heward, who used to play for Washington. Dang, it goes back. Uh, you know, back in the day, but, um, yeah, they're a team that's, they're a big question mark this year, I think. Um, look, you have their schedule posted here, and so they have a pretty favorable schedule. They start out with Kent State, um, and, and then they play a few tough teams. Michigan State, I don't know how they're going to do this year, but, They'll probably yeah, be th- a, this is a team that should make a bowl game yeah. certainly every single year. Yeah, Washington should. I don't know about this year. I think when you look at the Pac-12, and we can get into this more later, but I'd say there's two for sure good football teams, Oregon and Utah. And Utah is kind of in their own zone. They showed that last year when they you know destroyed Oregon twice. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll see if Oregon get, gets improved. But you got Oregon, Utah. I, I would also guarantee USC making a bowl because I just think with all the talent they have coming in, maybe they'll lose some games. They shouldn't, but they, they should go to a bowl with like Caleb oh, Williams yeah. and everyone, all those receivers coming in, yeah. Jordan Addison. They're, they're going to be a good team. And so I would kind of put those three teams in like my guarantee. Like These are going to be good teams. Maybe not early for USC, but later down the schedule. Right. But um, – USC doesn't play a Power 5 opponent until, like, Notre – or out-of-conference Power 5 opponent until, like, Notre Dame and, like, late in the season. So yeah. they're going to have time to tune up. But Well, and so another reason why I think Washington could be a team, you know, in a few years to really, you know, be a team to beat in the Pac-12. They're a school that I feel like always do, uh, has a lot of NFL talent. Mm-hmm. Like, almost every year they have, like – a first-round caliber player in the draft. I mean, one of the first guys that comes to mind is Vita Vea, you know, who's a stud now for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They played Alabama in the playoff maybe yeah. like six years ago or something. With uh, Jake Browning and John Ross. They were and... really solid, and I remember Alabama was better. It just took, like, the fourth quarter for them to finally pull yeah. away. No, they were – and – that was a game, like, I think everyone knew, like, it could get interesting because if there is one coach that can really, like, that knows how to shock the nation, it's Chris Peterson. One of the best football games I've ever watched. One of the games that made me fall in love with college football was the Boise State uh, win over Oklahoma. I remember, Statue of Liberty. 
that that stuff was oh. I remember watching that with my dad, and I like really wasn't paying attention to the game the entire time. I just was like, I'm a little kid. I'm just like yeah. watching a game with my dad, and I'm hanging out. But I remember when they did the hook and ladder, and my dad freaked out. I remember they did the Statue of Liberty, and like. That was just like the, the same for me. That's when I like finally was like, okay, Classic. this is a sport I really like. Yeah. So, yeah. It was awesome. Anyway, um, we can talk about we can talk about if we think teams are gonna have a certain record or you know go to a bowl later. But we can move on to Washington State. Um, they've kind of had a lot of coaching changes yes. over the past <laughs> few years because they had Mike Leach for like maybe five to six years. I can't remember how many years, but he left. Then Rolovich from Hawaii came in. Then he didn't want to get vaccinated or something, so they fired yeah. him. Yeah. And then now they have a new guy. And so, and they went to a bowl last year. So, you know, they went seven and six. But they lost to Central Michigan. Not a good look. But um, I think they're interesting because some years they'll like beat USC and they'll just chuck it around the field. They're they're kind of in their own in their own zone up there in Washington. Yeah, they they're a very interesting team because, like you said, they're that team also had to deal with a lot of adversity last year uh, with their head coach. I mean, there was I felt I feel like no one really talked about it too much, but like that that was a big deal, and like they didn't really know like what the future uh, would hold for uh, Rolovich, and then. He got fired. Uh, the interim head coach was uh, Jake Dickert. He was the defensive coordinator, and he went 3-3. Three and three, uh, But most importantly, he beat Washington, like we had mentioned. And uh, that was a huge deal. And so uh, Washington State decided to just give him the job, which I think is pretty cool. Um, only 38 years old uh, and has only been a defensive coordinator for a few years. Actually, speaking of Wyoming, he was at Wyoming prior to Washington State a couple years ago. Uh, A little fun fact. And so, you know, small sample size, did go 3-3. and But, I mean, if you beat your rival most of the time, like at a school like Washington State, you're going to land that job. You're going to keep that job if you uh, can beat your rival. So I think that's uh, pretty cool. We'll see how they do this year. They got a pretty interesting uh, quarterback from the portal, from like Incarnate Word, named uh, Cameron Ward. Uh, he threw. He had ridiculous stats, like fifty touchdowns and only like four interceptions. Like, and he has a cannon of an arm. Uh, very uh, lowly uh, recruited in high school because he was in like an option offense. That's um, so cool. I mean, he's why I think they're going to be a decent team and go to a ball. Yeah. Like, literally him. Well, I, I think I was on this pod with you. Like, we wanted December, him to transfer and here. I, and I I talked about him. I was like, can we, like, recruit him, like, low-key? Yeah. Like, I, I want him. And he ended up going to Washington State. It was between Washington State and, I think, Ole Miss. And I think Nebraska probably contacted him, I'm assuming. But I don't think he was interested in, in that. So I'm I'm really interested in Washington State. I think they can definitely take a step up this year. Um, I do think they'll be slightly better than Washington because, again, I think uh, the head coach, Kalen DeBoer, is just inheriting a little bit bigger of a mess at Washington, um, even though I think Washington overall as a program is a slightly better one. Always, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Washington State, I think they'll be solid again this year. 
I would expect a similar record as last year, a seven and six, eight and five uh, type of team. I think that's kind of just the program that they are. And then every once in a while, you might see them, you know, pop off for ten or eleven wins, like Mike Leach did a few times. Yeah, and then I just thought about them as a program. I think they faced Michigan in the Rose Bowl in like '97. I yeah. forgot about well, that. There was a while there where Washington State was an absolute joke of yeah. a program. I forgot they were Power Five. Like, I would just forget they were even existed for years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then Mike Leach came, you know, after he had some controversy at Texas Tech, and he it took him a few years at Washington State to build that program. But um, I really thought he was going to stay there forever. I also I kind of like Washington State just because of those fans that go to college game day every week, like it's just classic. Like the flag is up. Yeah, the flag the flag is always up. All right, well we can move on to Oregon now. The Ducks went ten and four last year. They had two losses to Utah, one in the regular season, one in the Pac twelve championship. Neither of those were close games. They did beat Ohio State, um, but that was when CJ Verdell, their star running back, was healthy. And so that was also CJ Stroud's like first big game yeah. as a quarterback. And you could tell that like Oregon, it, they got, they got after him a little bit and he definitely got rattled because of it. Yeah. And you kind of saw that when he played against Nebraska too, a little bit. Yeah. Cause we were probably one of the better defenses he had faced. That was his first true road test because Oregon traveled to Ohio State yeah. and beat them. That was CJ Stroud's like first big road game uh, prior to, uh, and that was before the game against Michigan. So that, yeah, I mean, those, that that was an impressive win. But yeah. It really was. And, you know, Oregon did, got worse during the season and Ohio State got better. And that's part of why, you know, Ohio State won the Rose Bowl over Utah. But um, Oregon really just ran the damn ball. And that was impressive. Mario Cristobal did leave Oregon, though. And so he went, he went to go coach at Miami. And I think that's part of why they also, you know, didn't maintain because I think the players could sense he was going to leave. And they yeah. lost to OU in their bowl game. Uh, I think it was like 44 to 27 or something like that. That was a game that, I mean, they were not going to win. Bob Stoops was coaching. Yeah, no. And Oklahoma was like, you know what, this is going to be a big middle finger to Lincoln Riley. We don't need him. I, like, see USC doing well this year. We might as well just jump to USC now. I think Oregon's going to be a solid team, probably well, win the Pac-12 North. I will say this about Oregon. They hired an interesting coach, uh, Dan uh, Lanning from Georgia. He's the D coordinator there. He's going to recruit really well, and obviously he uh, also took a few uh, people from Nebraska, Coach uh, Tuioti. Uh, and two from, players. And, and a few players as well. Uh, one of my classmates, uh, Casey. Casey Rogers. And then Jordan Riley. Yeah. And so... I, yeah, th- they'll be fine, at least for now. They played Georgia week one, which is going to be really funny. I know, I saw that. So, but, you know, they'll be fine. Um, I think they're a top three Pac-12 team this year. They'll and be they, fine for a year or two, yeah. and then it's going to be really interesting. Um, Oregon, surprisingly, has had quite a few coaches in the last, like, 10 to 15 years. They've had Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich, uh, Willie Taggart, Crystal Ball, and now this guy, Dan Lanning. And Lanning's another really young uh, defensive coordinator now turned head coach. So I see that maintaining for at least a little bit. Yeah. For, for a while. Um, 
Okay, before we jump over to USC and everybody in the South, we can move on to Oregon State. I always kind of don't really like them because, because I always of... associate them with Mike Riley. Yeah. But that's not Mike Riley's fault. That's really just Sean Eichhorst's fault. So we'll, we'll forget that. Um, they went 7-6 and six last year. They were part of, you know, they lost to a Mountain West team in their bowl at Utah State, 24-13. to 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they have the talent to go to a bowl, and I think they probably will. You know, they're usually a passing team. And so, and they're, I think they're better than Cal and Stanford, especially recently. Yeah. So I see them being a solid team this year. Yeah, I really like their head coach, uh, Jonathan Smith. He's uh, he's a part of that Chris Peterson coaching tree. Maybe Washington should have hired him instead of Jimmy Lake because, but uh, Smith is a alumni of uh, Oregon State. He played quarterback for him, uh, you know, and so yeah, he he's done a good job because I think Oregon State was a dumpster fire after. Surprisingly, after Mike Riley left, because Mike Riley, you know, say what you want, he had a decent program there. Like he, he wasn't going to get fired there ever. Yeah, I he don't think. he had a good and, passing offense going, and they usually upset one of the powers. Out yeah, there, and so. I mean, like the way like his program ran, it fit for the Pac-12. Then who was it? Gary Anderson. I think they got like Anderson. Yeah, from Utah yeah, State. He just he ran that program to the ground. They were awful for like two years straight. And so he, this guy really inherited a mess. And so to see them, and he's doing it the right way too. Like he's attacking the portal. He got quite a few uh, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska guys. Tyjon Lindsay, Tristan Gebbia, Avery Roberts, probably another one I can't remember. Avery Roberts was a big contributor for. He's been yeah. He went to the NFL, but he, he was, was good a, for like three years for I them. Th- I I always thought like he was a big loss for Nebraska. I heard kind of what happened. Um, shoot, I mean, here we go with the rivers, but I heard what kind of what happened when Frost and his staff came in here was, and you know, in hindsight, this is a bad move, but when they got here, they immediately were just like talking bad about the old staff to all the players who were still there. And I think a lot of the newer players who were coming in and some of the other guys who, uh, especially guys who were recruited by Bo probably were like, yeah. And they agreed with it. But then there were a lot of, you know, especially California players who had come here who liked Mike Riley and liked some of those offensive coaches who took offense to that. And they transferred within like under a year. A lot of, a lot of guys did. And so yeah. uh, that, you know, that, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Oregon state. I don't know if we have much more to say about them. No, they're, they're just there. <laughs> so next up is Cal. I have one note for Cal. Five and seven last year. I I just the thing is Cal and Stanford because of how much the Pacific Northwest uh, or excuse me how much Northern California doesn't care about college football anymore. I just don't care about those schools. Like you watch a Stanford game, hardly anyone's at the game. You watch a Cal game, hardly anyone's there. Maybe when they're good, people show up, but like they're way down the list of like hierarchy in you know Bay Area sports. I yeah that very true and those schools are more actually like baseball and academic like, like academic like Stanford they are a great baseball program although they can't win a college world series game to save their lives they went o2 barbecue once again um, but I I do have one note on Cal um, interestingly enough before Oregon hired Dan Lanning as their head coach, they offered the job to their to the Cal head coach Justin Wilcox, and he turned it down. Interesting. Which I thought was really 
odd because one because I I don't really understand why you would want to hire like I don't know like that's not a, a hire that gets me excited you know for the program but also I am shocked that he turned it down because he's from Eugene Oregon and he played at Oregon that is weird that's like Frost turning down the job four years ago yeah but hey he must there has to be a reason why uh you know he turned it down and I mean there is a few articles out there as to why that is really he, interesting um, but he, he seemed to really like, uh, Cal and I think he wants to have, uh, that, that power that, and I think it's a, a little bit safer of a job, you know? I think Cal is a potentially really good team just because of where they are location wise. They could at any time pop off and, and same with Stanford, you know, we move on to Stanford. They had some really good years with David Shaw and before David Shaw, Jim Harbaugh, but they went three and nine last year. And they haven't had a winning season since 2018. Now they did go four and two in 2020, but we're just not gonna. They played six games. So we're not gonna. Not a real year, okay? So haven't had a winning season in a while. Um, you know they're usually a power run team, pro style offense. Their defense is tough. That's kind of what they're known for. Um, but is David Shaw? This is the question I have. Is David Shaw like a, immortal at Stanford? Like could he keep having losing seasons and they're just gonna stick with him? I think so, and. I- because I, I think they they still remain pretty competitive. They they do need to, I think, just slightly modernize the offense just a little bit because their defense is always solid, and they still produce pretty good NFL talent. Like Davis Mills, say what you want about him. He did well last year. For the Texans? For the Texans, yeah. And uh, Walker Little also was a good uh, left tackle for uh, – I think he's on the Jaguars now. Um but, like, Stanford was a school that really benefited benefited a lot from schools like UCLA and USC being down for a long time and, like, just being in inconsistent programs. And Stanford was, for a while there, just so consistent. And Shaw also, I mean, Harbaugh left that program in a very good spot. And, I mean, Shaw's no he, – he's a good coach. Like, he knows what he's doing. Um but they're they're a team that's definitely like like I know you've mentioned this before. They're like a Northwestern. They're gonna hurt a lot with you know just how much college football has changed with the transfer portal and how recruiting um, has gone. Money. Um, but like I, I really like it when Stanford's good. And like when I think of Stanford, I immediately think of like all the classic Stanford Oregon games. Also, Toby Gerhart Stanford was awesome. Toby Gearhart was good. Christian McCaffrey Stanford Steven was Taylor. so fun to watch. Steven Taylor. Um, yeah, th- those Stanford teams, those like early to mid like 2010 Stanford teams were fun to watch. That was when the Andrew Pac-12 Luck. I thought was – because, I mean, USC, like they weren't elite, but they were still pretty competitive. And, uh, you know, Oregon was Oregon and – you know, you, you also had Stanford. I'd argue Oregon made a lot of people college football fans who weren't before. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they were fun. They had awesome jerseys for the most part. They Some of them changed were little... the way offenses played most places. Yeah, yeah. No, they did. They Chip Kelly was an innovator um, there. He really changed the game uh, for there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I miss the classic Stanford-Oregon games. Like Those were awesome. They... they the, 
all of them I feel like were so fun to watch. Well, Michael James, Anthony I mean, Thomas. Yeah, and like, because it was also just two completely different programs. Stanford was so physical, and not to say Oregon wasn't physical, but they were kind of more of a finesse team, like very fast and, um, you know, no huddle. And, you know, most of the time Stanford actually usually came out on top. Yeah, okay, so in twenty in 2009, I think, I'm trying to remember, I know Oregon won in 2010 because they scored like a ton of points. It, it went back and forth in certain years. I think in the Mariota years, oh, Oregon Mariota may have. Mariota years, they were fine. Oregon may have lost one, but no, they were they were some close games um, for sure. That's a guy people don't. Re- I don't think people realize just how good Marcus Mariota was in college. Yeah, you're so like, good. The dude, like he threw like only like eight interceptions in his whole career, and he was fast and he could throw. He was a created player. And yeah, he was, and he was one of the him and uh, DeAnthony Thomas in NCAA untouchable. You so could not good. could not stop him. And I mean, if he if he could stay healthy, I think he's a good quarterback in the NFL. Sorry, yeah. I, I had to say some about him because he's like one of my favorite players of all yeah, time. Yeah, no, um, he's I think, a good dude. I think Stanford's just missing. You know, they usually have a physical team. They're just missing like a few star players. If they have those, I think they're really good. But they just don't have those guys right now. They also had one of the best quarterback prospects, like in the last fifteen years, in Andrew Luck. At one point, like that's going to help your program out a lot. And and Christian McCaffrey, like basically right after that, like it's pretty rare that you have those two guys like back to back. Basically, they had a guy who. Never had a smartphone, only had a flip phone, and he played quarterback, so you know he was focused. Yeah. And then they had White Jesus. Well, remember, <laughs> so. do you remember the highlight when uh, Andrew Luck just absolutely trucked the, like, Arizona State defender? Yeah, who, like, picked him off or something. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Anyway, so that's the Pac-12 North. Um, we can move on to the other two California schools. We've talked about USC already. You know, Lincoln Riley's there. Lincoln Riley's also, like, probably kind of a douche. Uh, but, <laughs> but Lincoln Riley's there, and he's gonna, you know, change the game for USC You're potentially. Get a job at USC now. Oh no! Oh, uh, <laughs> shout out! Uh, so one of the video guys at Nebraska this past year for football, yeah. Rob Washington, uh, USC actually stole him from us. Now he works for USC, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, he's a video guy for USC football. He uh, he told me he might be able to get me a ticket to one of their games this year, so I might try to go to LA. I haven't been to LA since I was like really little. Um, so I might try to go see a USC game because it would be pretty cool. But um, that, that's on the side. I think USC will be uh, the number three team in the Pac-12 this year, just with all the transfer they have. They got Travis Dye from Oregon. Uh, they still have some returning receivers. Also got Jordan Addison. And, you know, I just think they're going to be better than most of the other Pac-12 teams because the Pac-12 is honestly down right now. Yeah, they – They'll be fine, especially offensively. Lincoln Riley knows how to coach offense. They're gonna. It's gonna take them a while uh, on the defensive side to get back. And honestly, like I don't know how good of a coach Alex Grinch is as a defensive coordinator. I think he's fine, but yeah, I mean, you know, at the very least, they're gonna put up points. They're gonna be better. USC's always had talent. I don't think that's an issue, especially on offense. And so, yeah. I don't know. I'm, t- I'm tired of talking USC. Yeah, me too. Okay, UCLA now. They still have Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's a senior at quarterback. They still have the Michigan transfer, Zach Charbonnet, at running back. But besides that, they lost, like, 
all of their offensive production besides Casimir Allen, who's like a hybrid receiver running back. And they lost a bunch of guys uh, defensively as well. And so I do think Chip Kelly is, has things going in the right direction for them at U, uh, UCLA. They went 8-4 and four last year. but um, And they would have had their bowl game, but it got canceled because of like COVID or something in, mm-hmm. against NC State. But uh, I think they'll probably be a bowl team again just because they return their quarterback and their main running back. But I don't know if they're going to be quite as good. Yeah, I agree. They they were one of the youngest rosters there for a while, and so last year was really the make-or-break year for them, and it paid off. I think they got enough momentum now to where they can take another step uh, forward. Um, I think 8-4, and four, you know, 9-4 and four type record is definitely uh, still there for U- UCLA, but, you know, I don't know. They're kind of a school that they're more concerned about you know, basketball and, you know, I, I hate to say say stuff like that, but, I mean, it, it's kind of true. Like, football is kind of just secondary to them, and they're kind of always been almost a little bit like little brother to USC. But I still think they'll be better than them this year because they have a better defense. And Chip Kelly's kind of changed his philosophy from, like, they still do a little bit of the no-huddle stuff, but they're really physical. They love running the ball. You know, run the damn ball. Oh, they're all – I should have the hat today. Yeah, you should have. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, they'll be they'll be fine. You know, they're going to be a solid program, I think, for a while now. Now that they have Chip Kelly, they let him build the program the way he wants it to. You know, it didn't quite work out for him in the NFL, but he's still a pretty darn good coach. Yeah, he is. Uh, hopefully Nebraska can kind of follow suit here and, you know, 8-4 and four would be really nice for us, but we'll, we'll talk about oh. us later. Uh, but – Arizona is up next on the list. Um, they went one and eleven last year. They lost to Northern Arizona as well. Uh, they had a they just had a bad year. I think their one win was against um, who they beat. Was it? They won ten to three against Stanford or something. I forget. They had one win. I forgot. I forget who it was against. We'd probably have to look, but uh, I should have had that in the list. But uh, <laughs> Jed Fish is coming up on his second year there, and. <laughs> Their non-conference schedule, so they have North Dakota State, San Diego State, and Mississippi State. So a really good Mountain West team in San Diego State. The best FCS team of all time, probably better than a lot of FBS teams, North Dakota State, and Mississippi State, who's coached by Mike Leach. They're losing all three of those. They're losing all three of those. You can't tell me otherwise. North Dakota State, undefeated against the FBS. Okay? So, and then they, you know... Maybe they'll win a couple Pac-12 games here and there, but I honestly just don't see them winning hardly anything. Maybe they'll win one, maybe they'll win two. I just don't think they're going to be good at all. Yeah, I don't really know or really care about Arizona or even Arizona State, uh, if I'm being honest. like Playoffs? I, yeah. We're talking playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. You play to win the game. I think I even said that one time in like a flag football game once that we had. Yeah, we probably you probably did. I think like uh, Josh Dickey was or not Josh Zach Dickey, Zach Dickey like wasn't getting back in coverage, and I was like, this guy, we play to win the game, but <laughs> no, but uh, anyway. By the way, the playoffs that's not uh, Herm Edwards, that's uh, Jim Mora. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I swear. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. Okay, but anyway, uh, it's easy to confuse. Arizona is going to be terrible next year. They're maybe going to win like two games. That's it. Arizona. Yeah, the, Jedfish maybe will turn it around in like a few years, but we don't really care. They're a good basketball school. Yeah, they are a good basketball school. Um, so Arizona State went eight and five last year. They lost their bowl game to Wisconsin because Wisconsin can just run the damn ball. They got some major recruiting violations, and they had a lot of transfers. They had a lot of transfers. Uh, we got as well. one of them. Nebraska got one of them, Jaden Gold. Yeah. Wait, not Jaden Gold. Tommy Hill? Or, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tommy Hill. My yeah. Man. But, um... Same position. I think Herm Edwards is, is a solid coach, even though they had some shady stuff go down. Um, I mean, I think everywhere is doing shady stuff. It's just whether you get caught or not. But I think that they're still going to be a solid program. I mean, look at the Pac-12 South. Colorado's bad. Arizona's bad. Um, Pac-12 North isn't necessarily strong either. And Arizona State's uh, non-conference, they got Northern Arizona, Oklahoma State, and Eastern Michigan. I see two wins there. I think that they could definitely go to a bowl game this year. Um, they also got Wyoming transfer Zazavian Valaday. Shout out Wyoming. He's a really good running back for them for like the last three years. So I think they're going to be a bowl team. Um, and then they got Emory Jones, who was the Florida quarterback from last year. I mean, he put up you know some good stats. I just think their defense was terrible at Florida. So, um yeah. Florida was just a dumpster fire. But they were, yeah, Dan Mullen. Arizona State, they just, I don't know, they're they're that program, I think they really should be good. Like, they got everything going for them, but I, don't, I can't really figure them out, honestly. Same with Arizona, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I just can't figure out those schools. Yeah, they're just kind of... They're, they're just, just there. <laughs> well, I mean, that, like, I feel like that's, like, the biggest problem with the Pac-12. Like, a lot of the schools are just there like they don't they're like like we might as well we'll skip the next one real quick because i feel like we're going to talk about that school the most like colorado is just there too like yeah okay i don't i always struggle talking about colorado because i always think about those two games we had in the early frost era where we were significantly better but just pooped our pants and lost we so those okay, but that that was years ago. We're not gonna talk about it. All right, not gonna talk about it. Flush it away. We're not gonna talk about it. So, <laughs> Colorado, they went four and eight last year. Um, they've had a lot of coaching changes in the last four years, and we don't even need to talk about it because they, whatever. Um, they got hurt a lot by the transfer portal as well because they were really they just were really bad last year, and so I don't see them getting any better anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think that their fan base really cares because. All I'm they in, care about is the Broncos. <laughs> all they care about is the Broncos, and they want to party in Boulder. That's that's literally yeah. all I know about the Colorado fan base. They have old head fans who care, but you know what they care about? They care about Nebraska because their whole identity for like thirty years was we got to beat Nebraska, got to beat Nebraska, and they like did it a couple times, but that was yeah, it. Congrats! Even in the Big Twelve, and they were like bad for most of the years they were in the Big Twelve. Their whole identity was beating a Nebraska team that was a shell of its former self, and they still couldn't do that very often. And so they're, they're just completely lost. Their main rival is now Utah, who kicks their ass every year. And <laughs> I didn't even just, know that that was their rival. It's their rival now, and they hate it. Like that. I've literally I went to Boulder years ago when we played them, and they literally told me, like, we're sick of playing Utah. That's not our rival. You guys are our rival, and we can't even play you guys that often anymore. So, um, <laughs> yeah. That's, they just – they've never felt like a Pac-12 team to me, and so that's why, like, I could really care less about them. And, like – I mean, I grew up, you know, raised not to like Colorado. And so, like, they're, they're one, like, 
the one nice thing that Colorado has done the last few years is they had LaVisca Chenault for a little bit. Yeah, they had LaVisca Chenault. And that's about it. Jarek Broussard was a really good running back for they them the last Jerry two years. They had son last year, and then he transferred to USC. Shocker. Yeah. USC got, like, all the transfers. LaVisca Chenault's younger brother transferred away from them. They also had a shot Clayton, who was a four-star running back. He transferred to uh, Tulane because he's from New Orleans. So they yeah. lost out on some commits mm-hmm. they had. Um, their quarterback, Brendan Lewis, had one of the worst QBRs in the Power 5 last year. So they're going to be bad. Um, maybe they'll win like three or four games. Yeah. Let's move on to the school that I actually want to talk about, Utah. We, you, we've talked about them before on the podcast. Yeah, so they almost beat Ohio State in their Rose Bowl 10-4 and last year. They lost to San Diego State in like a crazy overtime game. But, you know, Mountain West, football's pretty tough. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what do you want to say about them? I just really like their program. I think that's the program that Nebraska needs to, like, they should follow, like, try try and follow and, and you know, do something similar to that. I think Kyle Whittingham's the most underrated coach in the country. Um, you know, they're a school, like, they're always consistently good, and they always, they're the school that, like, Nebraska used to be with Bo Pelini, but, but without getting, they never got, I feel like they never get embarrassed either. Like, even against, like, the Ohio States and, like, you know, uh, Utah beat Alabama a few years ago. Or not a few years ago, like, ten years ago. Yeah, that was a really good game. They beat Alabama in, like, the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Right before Alabama got really good. Well, like, they wanted a championship, but, like, they weren't a dynasty yet. That was 08, I believe. Right, That was, like, like right before they won the Natty the next year. But um, That was still pretty cool, and... They they really attacked the portal too. They got like four quarterback transfers like last year. It was crazy. I really like the quarterback they have starting Cameron Rising. Yeah. Uh, Texas transfer, I believe. Um, and he really did well last year once he was named the starter, and uh, played really well against Ohio State uh, in the Rose Bowl. And they're another school. Like I feel the frustrating thing about the Pac-12 is. A lot of these schools don't seem to care about uh, their programs. They don't care about being and, good. Like they're just there. Like, and nobody really talks about Utah because they're in the Pac-12. But like Utah and a lot of these other schools, they produce a lot of the NFL talent, like a lot of good players, and yet no one knows about them because they're in the Pac-12. And it's all I. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that. They play, you know, at the worst time, you know, ever. Like, no, like, unless you're, like, a diehard college football fan or, like, you're a fan of one of the schools, you're not going to watch Pac-12 after dark. Especially, you know, people our age, they're going to go down O Street or something like that. Yeah, we're not watching (laughs) Pac-12. We're not. Especially after we lose a close game, we don't want to watch any more football, okay? (laughs) Like, That's the last thing we want to do. Yeah, but, um... Yeah, so Utah, they returned running back Tavion Thomas. He had a big year last year. He's good. Cameron Rising was a really good quarterback for them. I would even say when Rising is gone, their backup, Jaquinnon Jackson, is going to be, be really good. good. He was a monster at Duncanville High School in Dallas. I remember watching him play. Um, and they care way more about football than most of the other Pac-12 schools besides maybe like Oregon. And so they're going to go and probably – I think they're going to run the table. They open, uh, open the season with Florida. They're going to kick their butt, and they're just going to win every game. I think maybe they'll lose one here or there uh, on accident. Like they lost to Oregon State last year, 34-42. Maybe they'll have a weird game like that, but they're, they're better than everybody else in the Pac-12. 
Oh yeah, yeah they they're the standard I think, and they're gonna they're the team to beat in the Pac-12 for sure. And they're so physical. They're gonna I think they're gonna really they're gonna compete for they're gonna be the team in the Pac-12 that you know if things go right they could potentially make the playoffs. I yeah. Think. So before we move on from the Pac-12, um, I only have – so I think I have eight teams that I think could go to a bowl from the Pac-12. Um, I think Washington could. They have a good year. Washington State I think will. Oregon will. Oregon State should go to a bowl. I think Cal and Stanford are not going to. I don't think – I still don't think they're going to turn things around. I could totally be wrong though because I think Stanford uh, and Cal have potential. But Pac-12 North – Really, it's Oregon, and then it's everybody else. And then the Pac-12 South, I think everybody except for Arizona and Colorado is respectable. And um, see, I think you got about four, seven to eight bowl teams, and I think Utah is the best, and they should win the conference. So Yeah, I agree. Utah is my pick, too, I think. I think Oregon will be close, but I got to go with the experience and – you know, Oregon's got the new coach, so. I mean, how about Utah? They were like a Mountain West team. Maybe they're in the WAC. I think they were in the it Mountain started, West, though. It started because of Urban Meyer. Yeah, because of, you know, in the 2000s and before that, they were always in the Mountain West, and they were just this, like, you know, their rival was BYU, and that was really all they were. And now, you know, here they are, um, the best team in the Pac-12. So, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, um, first off, got to give a shout-out to Reactor Coffee. They fuel the, the Run the Damn Ball podcast. Megan Castor and everyone there does a great job creating a homey environment here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I also got some good waffles. Uh, at 2124 Y uh, Street, uh, 68503. That's their address. But, um, okay, so I was looking at footballschedules.com because I was going to look at uh, Utah's schedule from last year. And the first thing that pops up, we got news, just came out. Nebraska added a 12th football game for the 2024 season. I thought it would be an FCS team, and it is. They're adding Northern Iowa uh, to be their last opponent in the non-conference. So, yeah. It's going to be that's, – that, that's kind of fun. I don't like that addition. I'm just going to say that because really? Northern Iowa, Why? every couple years, they scare Iowa or Iowa State. Okay, well, Iowa State, like, always – they always underachieve. <laughs> In those games. That's true. I just would rather play – we were going to play South Dakota State. Um, yeah, we were going to play South Dakota State in 2020. I thought we were going to try to pick them up again, but it looks like we're going to add Northern Iowa. So that's interesting. I don't even know the last time we played them. But, yeah. So, I guess that's Nebraska news. And then, you know, you just showed me uh, Arch Manning, who is – who's is his dad, Archie? His dad is not Archie. no, not Archie. It's um, Cooper. Cooper, who's the oldest one? I saw Archie Manning at uh, in in Omaha. I, well, Peyton was there this past week too. Yeah, for the World Series. Yeah, from from far away at the ball. At. It was a good time. That's cool. But yeah, Archie. I still Manning haven't gone to just, a game. I, I, I still haven't gone to a World Series game. Man, uh, you're missing out. I, I went know. to the Ole Miss Auburn game, which was. Pretty fun. They play. Uh, the Ole Miss fans are nuts. Ole Miss and Arkansas play tonight. Yeah, they play again yeah. tonight because Ole Miss lost yesterday. But yeah, um, Arch Manning committed to Texas. Um, I have a. He's like a five-star QB. All right, good luck, Texas. Hope you don't screw it up. I have a pretty <laughs> interesting stat here. 
that I saw from Bleacher Report. Uh, there has been three perfect rated quarterbacks in 24-7 history. All three have committed to Texas. Uh, Vince Young, Quinn Ewers, and now Arch Manning. So, is Quinn Ewers going to transfer again? <laughs> depends how he does this year. but Depends on how he does. Yeah, so we, you know, that's everything from the Pac-12. Now we can do one more little shout-out here. Um, Run the Damn Ball is now partnered with NBNR Media out of Omaha, Nebraska. NBNR stands for No Black, No Rock, which is also their podcast. Go uh, check them out. They are run by Mike Delaware, Cal Byers, and Jared Hall. And uh, I think we're going to be doing some uh, cool tailgate stuff this fall here in Lincoln. And uh, you can check them out on nbnrmedia.com. It's a really good podcast. Go listen to them. But uh, anyway, um, there was like a rumor this week. Not a rumor, but it's like people overreacted to it. So Casey Thompson like mentioned that he like isn't still quite hundred percent with his hand. Like he's still throwing and everything and he's he's working out, but um people were freaking out about it and I was like, dude, chill, like he's probably gonna be fine by the time August rolls around. So that's what I think. I I honestly did not see this at all. Really, I'm, I'm a little surprised because I I feel like I usually see that stuff. But well, I, I also haven't been on Twitter quite as much as I usually am. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it. I mean, we are still in June, so let, let's chill out. And yeah. honestly, like I'm still in the belief, like I think we'll be fine, even if like some were to happen to Casey. Like I still believe in Logan Smothers. I think Chuba will be. Chuba, however you pronounce it, um, he'll be decent in a few years. Like, I think Nebraska—they're doing just fine at quarterback. We, Nebraska has other issues to handle. Um, you know, I—I'm starting to get a little concerned with the wide receiver room, just because too like, many people. I, I no, I think that they're talented, but and I really I do trust Mickey Joseph, but like. Who's going to be our number one? Like, Omar Manning has a lot of potential. Like, he should be the number one, I think. Like, because you just look at how he's Statistically, built. as well, he's the best receiver we have coming back. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he will be uh, key for us, for uh, Nebraska. And then also, obviously, Trey Palmer. I think he's going to have a huge role in the offense. And then... Like, I think Marcus Travis Washington Vokalek is going to have to. Oh, I forgot about Marcus. Vokalek's going to have to basically be. He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to step up. We need Big him time. healthy. We just need him healthy. He's really good when he's healthy. And I think Marcus Washington, because he played with. I forgot about Marcus just, Washington. Just like if if uh, Casey Thompson is who we, we hope him to be, Washington's going to be on the field a bunch because they have chemistry uh, from Texas. They played together last year. And so. Um, and then I heard Brody Belt. It's going to be good. And honestly, dude, if we have a little uh, quick guy in the slot who can make plays, he can do that. So I'm like, I'm down for that. Played baseball um, with him. So yeah, I've, I've known him forever. So yeah. that'd be pretty cool. I hope, I hope he you know, can be good for us. And there's a lot of other names to call this Crawford, Janiron bon, uh, Bonner. Uh, so I heard people in, the, in my group chat of all these Husker fans saying, uh, Garcia Castaneda, the New Mexico State transfer, supposedly he's doing pretty well, so, like, you know, shoot, I don't know, just ball out, I don't care, I really don't care, you know, um, Chancellor Brewington is another guy, he does the What's the Word podcast in That's here, right. 
Uh, it's the what somewhere, but, uh, but uh, I was going to say, um, speaking of that podcast, Andrew told Brew that uh, the podcast is like ready to go or basically is like is, is almost done and everything. I haven't even started like editing. And here's Andrew calling me right now, disrupting the live. He's oh disrupting the live. God. And he's a liar too. We haven't even started editing the podcast. Oh, exposed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here, I got to hit this thing. That is great. I'm exposing Andrew. I'm going to get this thing going again. Oh, my God. That is awesome. That's uh, so great. He literally ended the. He literally ended it for us when he did that. Man. But, yeah, just looking at Nebraska, like, there's going to it. There's a lot unknown right now with uh, Nebraska, just in terms of roster. But the nice thing about uh, this season for the Huskers that they have working for them, Daniel, is that the schedule oh, is wrong way. very, <laughs> very favorable. Sorry, we're having video issues. I didn't flip it. Uh, here we go. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Okay, no, I, I will. I'm gonna cut you off real quick because Andrew's not gonna get away with interrupting the live. Andrew's not getting away with interrupting the live. I'm upset. They, they can't hear you. Not yet. All right, now get to the mic. Okay. <laughs> Andrew, I'm upset with Andrew because he told <laughs> he told Brew. I hope he's watching this still. By the way, he, I don't know. Was he watching it? Maybe I'll check. But he told Brew that the check. podcast is ready to go, and we haven't started editing it. We were going to start today, but uh, yeah. So Andrew, get it together. Okay, so because me and Andrew and sometimes Sam edit their podcast, uh, Chancellor Brewington and all those guys. But uh, anyway, um, we where even are we now? Where you're talking about Nebraska? I was I'm mad at Andrew, so I wasn't even listening. <laughs> oh, that's great! That's great. I was just talking about the schedule. We we've talked about this multiple times. The schedule's favorable. If we are a good team, we're gonna have a, a bowl under our belt by game eight or nine. If we are sure. a good team. That's the it's the this is the risky thing though when you go all in on the transfer portal like it could go really well or it could go very poorly, but looking at like I don't know if you I have seen this the uh, the guys from Alabama and like uh, Stefan Wynn, I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name and then uh, Oshawn Mathis they both raved about the culture here and if there's one thing that like really like gets me like. That, that annoys me is when, like, people here are talking about the culture. Like, oh, it's so much better. I'm like, it can't be better if you're still losing games. Like, the culture right now is still a losing culture because it's not working. So, hopefully things are changing a little bit. It sounds like it is with these new guys. And, like, a lot of the, like all these players now are Frost players. Like, there's no excuses. So... Hopefully the culture has changed, but we just don't know. Because we're not there. We're not in the room. Um, you know, it, it's certainly looking like it. Um, you know, just looking at social media, the players seem to really like each other. But Yeah, I think, you know, I think uh, the... Again, like, I just, I don't know. And, you know, I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer, but, like, a lot of the, a lot of it is just, you know, I feel like just... It's kind of like, you know, a politician, like, empty promises, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But um, it, at least, like, it, it comes across like that because, 
it felt like for the first three years in the Frost era, that's all we heard every week. Dude, I'm, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> anybody right now, but Frost, I swear, anytime he did an interview, like after a game that we lost or whatever, like I just, I st- I haven't watched a Frost interview in like years, but anytime he did, it was kind of the same thing every time. It was like excuses, you could yada, watch. yada, yada. And I'm, even when he went, dude, I was upset. I'm, I've already talked about this before. Even when he went on the Busting with the Boys podcast, he even... He said, like, yeah, there were plays that on special teams that lost us games that, like, it changed the momentum of the game and uh, we weren't able to win the game, yada, yada. Dude, think about, like, the Bo Pelini era. How many times would Taylor Martinez or someone else do some head-ash-ish and, like, the game would completely flip and we were about to lose, but then they'd turn it back around and we'd win? That happened probably, like, ten or more times. They just figured out. How they ways. figured out how to win the game. Don't let a blocked punt or whatever make you lose a game. That's the type of culture well, issue that we're dealing the with. The thing is, is I feel like there's a lot. There was so much more accountability uh, for players uh, in that program uh, back then. Like I feel like there. The thing about the Frost era so far is it feels like certain players have been punished for mistakes while other players have been left on the field even though they keep on making these same mistake over and over and over again and i i'm sorry like that's just ridiculous and that's why you had a bunch of players like transfer for a while there like you're not holding i feel like the same like you're not holding everyone to the same level of standard you know i feel like for example like Let's be real here. Adrian had quite a few. Like there, there were games where he definitely should have been been benched. Like the game that I announced last year was the Purdue game. You cannot tell me that Logan Smothers could have done, you know, slightly better. What? Well, because like honestly, like it's also not fair to the athlete too, because if you're leaving him out there, his confidence is only going to get worse. And he was playing hurt too. And he was playing hurt. So this is the Run the Damn Ball podcast. You know what to do. <laughs> we should have just rolled out the Logan Smothers triple option against Minnesota, or whenever Adrian was like his shoulder was like not as well. I don't know when that officially was when he's like because he did break his jaw as well. And I get it. He's an athlete. Like but, he's a competitor. He wants to play. But like at some point, you have to think about the team. Yeah, I mean, Adrian put his like. Like, put his whole life on the field for oh, us. Oh, he so did. I, can't, I, I respect yeah, him for that. Yeah, but at some point during last season, we probably should have gone with Logan just because of health. Now, I know Adrian had a better deep ball, but anyway. Um, sometimes he did, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, I always think about the the Purdue game. Samara Torre is wide open, and Adrian put a pretty decent ball, but, like, just overthrew him. And I remember Toure after the game said that the sun was in his eyes or something. Oh, yeah. And so he couldn't see the ball, which kind of made sense because he's so fast. I felt like he would have got the ball. But Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't and know if we want to say much more about last year. I really don't want to talk about last year. Yeah, last year. <laughs> last year was rough. Um, but we've had, we've had like. It's been rough for a while, actually, Daniel. We're just yeah no we're you, we're done we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we had we had a uh, four commits that have uh, come in this month of June. Uh, we had one two days ago in uh, Hayden Moore. He's a linebacker from Colorado. We also had uh, defensive tackle from I think the Houston area, Riley Van Poppel from uh, yeah Houston Texas, and then we had a we had a commit from the uh, what is it the three hundred eight Western Nebraska. 
Brock yeah. Knudsen. Uh, nice. He plays at Scotts Bluff High School. Um, I believe. Yeah, Scott, I think that's right. Uh, out west, he's a three-star offensive lineman. He committed here, and then uh, wide receiver Jaden Doss from Missouri also committed here. Uh, all those guys, all those guys are three stars. And then there's five other guys that we've gotten. Uh, before we don't you know, talk about all of them, but I just think it's good that we've gotten those commits rolling in for 2023. For sure, and it's only going to get better if they start winning. Like, yeah. It, once yes. they start winning, like recruiting is just going to go. It's it's just going to skyrocket because I mean that's you you can get frustrated all you want you know sometimes if Frost can't land a in-state recruit or whatnot you you want to know how you can solve that by winning like at at the end of the day that's what people care about something also to know I just saw this uh, one of my friends just sent it into uh, our group chat uh, Nebraska got crystal ball uh, prediction from. Uh, 24-7 sports for uh, wide receiver Davon Hall from uh, Bellevue West. 2024 guy. I don't know if you've seen any videos of him. Dude can fly. He's six foot one, 180. Guy is wicked fast. And, yeah, we need that. Um, you know Mickey Joseph is making him like the number one priority. Um, and he's being like nationally recruited too, so uh, definitely – Mickey Joseph is helping a lot. He, he's helping a lot. <laughs> yeah, but him, and uh, him, guys like him and um, Whipple are, you know, helping me have a little bit of faith in this program. Yeah, we needed it, but um, I would say potentially the best recruit that we've ever seen athletically out of Lincoln, Nebraska, is Malachi Coleman. Did you see the videos of him like dunking on a goalpost? Probably in Lincoln. I don't know. I can't. I can't I don't say know about Nebraska, Nebraska but I'm just say saying Nebraska Lincoln. Because Omaha, no one – Omaha's had some amazing recruits. You had Eric Crouch, Amon Green, uh, Gail Sayers, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, Bob Gibson, you know, and those guys, you know, that's just coming out of Omaha. Lincoln, you have the Roots. Uh, those guys were no slouches. Stein Coolers. Stein Coolers. I don't think they were from. I think they're, they're they're from they're, Nebraska. They're uh, the youngest. The ones that played here during the Bow era, they all um, like they they were from here. I think their dad wasn't from, but, Lincoln, though. but I, yeah. I did announce a game last year of a Lincoln East game, and Malachi Coleman was playing like a hybrid sort of tight end, and then like an edge rusher on defense as well. So he plays both ways. He had three sacks, and like. Probably like five more quarterback pressures, and also had three touchdowns. Yeah, like he's... he was everywhere on the field. The only time I've seen anything like that was when I was playing football and I played against uh, Cam Jurgens when he played at Beatrice because he also played tight end and linebacker, and he was everywhere on the field, and I was terrified because I was only a sophomore and <laughs> I was a I was still skinny at the time and. Tiny, and yeah. we got demolished, and I actually played my first uh, varsity snaps that game, which was, Dang. was fun. But, yeah, that that performance that Malachi Coleman had last year that I saw was probably the best that I've seen since Cam Jurgens, and it was probably a little bit more impressive just because I saw he, he was so explosive. Like, they, they just couldn't block him. It's effortless because he's, like, 6'6". He's not, like – Big, like in size, but he is like six six, and he's super fast. But you he can, can jump out the gym. 
Yeah. Uh, he's just a super athlete, and so it's eff- it's just effortless. Like jumping up and dunking on the goalpost, effortless. Running a four three or four four, whatever he runs, he's just doing it. Like he's just like this is what I do. Well, so yeah. you know, Alabama wants him, Georgia wants him, everybody wants him. So if we get him, we need to win games first. Well, you could see. I mean, he may not be like you know absolutely ripped now, but you can see like he definitely has the body type to where like if he's in in a weight room for like a year, like. <laughs> Just one off season, he's he's gonna be an absolute freak. And like, if he if he went, I feel like if he went to these like, you know, speed camps and all these like, you know, showcases that recruits go to, he would probably he'd be very highly regarded. You know, but like he's just doing his thing and he's still being highly recruited. So yeah, he's definitely gonna be a priority. Nebraska's had quite quite a lot of talent in the last few years. Last year, a lot of the guys didn't come to Nebraska. Yeah, they a lot of the Omaha guys. But um, you know that 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 stuff happens. And you know Xavier Betts, obviously, a few years ago was a great recruit as well. Um, and I think that Davon Hall in twenty twenty four, he's already starting to get you know looks nationally. And so, you know, Nebraska. Gotta start winning because there's there's a lot of talent coming out of this state. Um, More than there used to be. I mean, when yeah. Bo was coach, I feel like we got everybody in state. We like really could have, but for the most part, yeah. yeah. I think except for like Noah Fant, that's like the big one that jumps. Out I think to that me. was Mike Riley. That Bo. was like when Riley got hired. It that was that was when, yeah. That was when Bo got fired, and then we didn't get him. But anyway, same with Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, but what was I gonna say? Um, I think to finish things off, I mean, I, from, you know, talking with some of the players in the past month, I think that they really, uh, do have a good camaraderie with each other. Even, you know, the guys transferring in they're you know, they're fitting in well. And, uh, I really do think they like each other and they get along well. And so really what it comes down to is like, we're going to have close games this year and whether or not we win those is going to say a lot. So. Are you saying that Nebraska's going to have a close game and they're going to have to win one for once? Oh, great. Oh, great. All right. That's we'll awesome. edit out. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. It's been uh, Sam Alessandro, Daniel Magnuson. Run the damn ball.